Hey everyone, I'm glad you could join us today. We are in the final week of our journey through the book of Acts, and it's been great to look back at the earliest Christians and to see the story of how the church began. But the name of the series is Moving Forward. It's not just about the past. We're reading the book of Acts to see God's original design for the church, and that helps us understand how he wants us to move forward today. Back at the beginning of this series, we had these shirts made up, and we've been giving them out all summer. And I want to let you know, we still have some of these shirts to give away. And if you'd like one, they're available for free. First come, first serve. Uh, just give us a call or stop by the office, and we'll hook you up. But we need to get back into the book of Acts because we have got to see how this story ends. In the last few chapters of Acts, the focus is still on the Apostle Paul. God continues to use Paul to spread the message of Jesus out to the ends of the earth. Paul was literally a man on a mission. He had been appointed by God to travel the world and plant churches and lead people to Jesus. I want to go back to a quote from Paul that we read last week. In Acts 20:24, Paul said, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, first, I want to zero in on this particular phrase. My only aim is to finish the race. I want to think about what that means. Paul loved this analogy. He loved to talk about following Jesus in terms of running a race. And when you look at the story of Paul's life, that's exactly what he did. Every day he was on the move, trying to do exactly what God called him to do, despite the setbacks and despite the challenges. At the same time though, he never kept his eyes off the finish line. He didn't want to slow down and take it easy. Paul wanted to run strong all the way to the end. Some of you know that I really like running. I try to run about five days a week. And at first, I was like a lot of you, I hated running. But over time, I started to like it, and eventually, I came to love it. But that doesn't mean running is always easy. I can remember several runs that were pretty difficult for one reason or another. For example, I have a pair of shorts here. These shorts remind me of the day when this dog got loose and he came after me. He ran out into the road and he jumped up and he started snapping at me. Now he never did bite me, but his claws did rip up these shorts. He made this big hole. I could also tell you about the time when I went for a late night run. I was wearing a headlamp and all of a sudden on the side of the road, I saw two eyes glowing back at me. It was a skunk. He turned around and he lifted his tail and he was about to let me have it. But I took off and I sprinted faster than I have ever run before or since. There were other times when a run was tough because I just got discouraged. For instance, a few years ago, I set a goal that I have never been able to achieve. I wanted to run a 5K in less than 20 minutes. And one day I entered one of those big races and my plan was to keep up with my friend Jake because I knew he would finish with a good time. Things started out really well, but Jake was younger and stronger and faster. And before long, he pulled out ahead of me. 
He got smaller and smaller until he turned a corner and disappeared. And that was pretty discouraging. And in recent years, my body has told me I will never run a sub 25K. But what did Paul say in this verse? He didn't say anything about being the greatest or the best. He said his goal was to finish the race. He knew it would be tough. He knew there would be dangers and days when he wanted to quit, but he was committed to keep running. His only aim was to finish the race. And when it comes to following Jesus, that should be our goal as well. But what does this race look like? What do we mean here? Do we mean that at some point you become a Christian and from then on you just try to hang on until you die and go to heaven? No, actually, we just read a specific description of this race. Did you see it? It's in that same verse. For Paul, his race was to complete the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And there's a lot of good stuff in that little phrase. The good news is the gospel. And like I've said many times, the word gospel refers to the good news about Jesus. And what's so good about that news? Well, it's there at the end. It's the grace of God. Grace is a gift, a gift we don't deserve. And in this case, grace is when God looked at us and he saw that we were all sinners. We all deserved eternal punishment and eternal death, but he just couldn't leave it at that. God loved each one of us with an unfailing love. So he sent his son, Jesus, to suffer the death penalty that we deserved. And he offers everyone the gift of forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. We can never earn that gift by trying to be good enough. We just receive that gift when we surrender to Jesus and begin a life-changing relationship with him. So this is where Paul was coming from. He had received that gift of grace, and God appointed him to share it with as many people as possible, which was great because that's exactly what Paul wanted to do. He wanted to run strong all the way to the end of that race. But you know, that's easier said than done. There will always be setbacks and challenges, and that was especially true in Paul's life. If you've been reading through the book of Acts with us, you've seen that Paul repeatedly faced rejection and beatings and imprisonment and multiple occasions where he almost died for running that race. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul kept trucking. Now, today's sermon is technically supposed to cover eight chapters in Acts, from chapter 21 all the way to the end. And of course, there's no way I can deal with that in any kind of depth. So I encourage you to go back and read this section if you haven't done it already. These chapters make for some great reading. It's like an action movie combined with a courtroom drama. But just to get us all up to speed, I'll give you a very brief summary of what happens. When we last left Paul, he was finishing his third missionary journey. And he was over in the area that we now call Turkey. Paul sensed that God was calling him to return to Jerusalem. So he made the long trip back to the city where he had spent a lot of his early life. And when Paul arrived, he followed his normal pattern. He rolled into town and he went to the Jewish place of worship, which in this case was the temple in Jerusalem. And from there, it wasn't long before Paul was confronted by an angry mob. In fact, this mob wanted to kill him. So Paul was beaten and arrested again 
And he defended himself in front of the authorities. They did not kill him, but they also wouldn't let him go free. Paul was stuck in prison for years while this group of Jews kept arguing that he should be executed. But during this whole time, Paul kept sharing the good news about Jesus every chance he got. He spoke to powerful figures like Felix and Festus, who were both Roman governors. He preached to a king named Agrippa, and he tried to convince this king to become a follower of Jesus. Agrippa's response was kind of funny. He said, Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to become a Christian? And then Paul comes right back and he says, Short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. I think that's pretty cool. Eventually, though, Paul made this appeal to have his case taken before Caesar in Rome. The authorities agreed to that, so Paul was put on a ship, and they set sail for Rome. On the way, the ship wrecked off the coast of a Mediterranean island named Malta. Everyone on that ship could have easily drowned, but God blessed them, and they all made it ashore alive. But Paul wasn't out of the woods yet. On the island of Malta, he was bitten by a poisonous snake, but again, God protected him and he survived. Finally, Paul made it to Rome and he was placed under house arrest while waiting for his trial before Caesar. He had a surprising amount of freedom during that time. He was allowed to host visitors in his apartment and he kept right on preaching the gospel. And this is where the book of Acts ends. I'll read the final two verses. It says, For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The end. Close the book. This is the conclusion we get. And if you're like me, this doesn't feel like a very satisfying ending. We still have questions, right? For instance, did Paul get a fair trial? Did he get to speak before Caesar? Luke, the author of Acts, doesn't tell you. So why is that? Well, there are several things we could talk about here, but I came across a theory by a commentator named Mark Moore. Moore believes that Luke intentionally leaves us hanging. It's kind of like this. The reader gets to the end of the book and says, how does the story end? And then the Holy Spirit says, you tell me. And how does that make sense? Well, it goes back to something I said last week. Acts tells a story that began almost 2,000 years ago, but that story is still being written today. In a very real sense, we are living through Acts chapter 29. Because God is still using His church to build His kingdom and help people find hope in Jesus. And I love something else that Mark Moore said. He said, Acts 29 has millions of verses that will only be read in eternity. And that is so true. In heaven, we'll get to hear stories about Christians who led dramatic lives and accomplished great things for God. We'll hear about martyrs who died because of their faith in Jesus. But we'll also hear stories about Christians whose lives were not exciting. 
They just lived with a quiet faithfulness every day. Maybe it's the story of a mother who spent years praying for the salvation of her children. And when you think about it, this is a powerful perspective. For all of us who follow Jesus today, we are living through Acts 29. And we have this amazing privilege to be a part of what God will accomplish in history. So how does God want us to be a part of that? Well, it goes back to what Paul said. God has given us a race to run. And what does our race look like? Well, again, just like Paul, God has given us the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So if you are a part of the church right now, I have a question for you. What's your verse? And here's what I mean by that. Remember, we're living in Acts 29, and this chapter has millions of verses. So what's yours? What will God have to say about your life? Now, that question can be very intimidating, especially when we compare ourselves to someone like Paul. But here's how I look at this. God knows who I am. He knows I'm not Paul. He's given me a specific set of gifts, and he knows exactly how he wants to use those gifts. He knows the race that he's laid out specifically for me. So I don't have to be the best or the one with the greatest accomplishments. I just need to depend on Jesus to help me finish my race. And that's true for all of us here at Plum Creek. We need to depend on Jesus to help us finish the race that he's laid out for us. And sure, there will be all kinds of obstacles and dangers along the way. And there will be times when we feel like we're running on empty and we've got nothing left to give. But we all need to keep our eyes on that finish line. We need to run strong all the way to the end. I want to go back to the end of Paul's story for a second. Most Bible scholars believe that Paul was eventually released from house arrest in Rome, and he took one more missionary tour around Europe. At some point, though, Paul returned to Rome, and he was arrested again. And this time, he was thrown in jail. Tradition says that Paul did have a run-in with the Roman emperor, a guy named Nero. And the story goes that Nero had Paul beheaded. Now, I don't know if that really happened, but I do know that shortly before Paul died, he sent one last message to his good friend, Timothy. Let's read a few words from Paul's letter. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. He says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. In other words, I'm about to die. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So Paul is right at that finish line, isn't he? He's about to cross over. And I love what he says there. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You know what? When I reach the end of my race, I want to be able to say the exact same thing. Every week during this series, we've had an action step at the end of the message. We've come away from the book of Acts with a challenge that will help us go out and be the church today. And I want to go ahead and give you this week's action step right now. Sometime in the next few days, I encourage you to sit down 
and write out your answer to this question. In the time I have left on earth, how will I live in a way that allows me to get to the finish line and say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And with that question, you're asking God to give you a vision of what he might accomplish in you and through you. And remember, this is not just trying to hang on while you wait to die and go to heaven. God wants to use you and me and his church around the world to share his love and build his kingdom and lead people to Jesus. So let's dream big. Let's bring this vision into reality. And we can do that by taking these two steps. First, pray this prayer. Lord, please use me to testify to the good news of your grace. Second, partner with Christ in building God's kingdom. Now that second step may seem a little vague. How exactly am I supposed to do that? Well, one way to get some clarity here is to keep doing what we've been doing the past couple of months. Look to scripture. God's word will challenge you to become more like Jesus, to go out and do the kind of things Jesus would do. Another, another way to get more clarity about your role is to stay connected to the church. In the coming weeks and months and years, we will continue to mobilize the people of Plum Creek to share Jesus with our community and our world. A great example right now is our NTI program that we're hosting this fall. In case you haven't heard about it, this program allows the school staff from Grants Lick and Riley Elementary Schools to teach local students at their school while their own children are here on site at Plum Creek doing their online schoolwork with supervision. Now, Jared Perkins is heading up this program, and I asked Jared if he would share an update with us, as well as some of the why behind it. So let's watch this message from Jared. Hi, Plum Creek. I wanted to give you an update about our NTI assistance program for Grant Slick and Riley staff kids. Within 24 hours of posting the signups, we were over capacity. We have 58 children signed up already. We're working now to open up additional rooms, and we certainly have the space to do that, but what we need are volunteers. We still need room leaders on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, Friday from noon to four. We could also use a few people to be substitutes for those volunteers who've already signed up. So if you're interested in either of those roles, please email me as soon as possible at jared at plumcreek.org. Last week, I shared how overwhelming the response has been for this. And one of the questions I've been getting over and over from school staff is something along the lines of, we are blown away by the generosity of Plum Creek why are you doing this? And that question has made me think a lot about all the times that I've been compelled to serve. I believe that we're created by God to serve others. And the standard answer that we, that we tell when we, people ask us about why we serve is that we're sharing God's love. And that's true. But there's more to it than that. This program is an opportunity for our entire church to meet a need in our community and build relationships with some of our neighbors that we haven't even met yet. But it's also an opportunity for us to be like Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, I know that he sacrificed his life for me. Even though I didn't deserve it, I couldn't have done anything to earn it. 
And providing this service to teachers and school staff is an opportunity for me and for you to do the same thing. We have an opportunity to show grace to our neighbors. I also know in that grace showing that we'll open the door to relationships. And I'm genuinely excited about meeting some new friends over these next few months. I'm excited because um, God not only created us to serve, but he wired us for relationships. I'm looking forward to getting to know some of these new friends and having some new friends get to know you and get to know me. And I know that in getting to know you and me, that that means they also get to know that Jesus changed our lives because it's who we are. We really are creating an environment where conversations can happen and that God will show up. And I love it when God shows up. I'm confident he's going to reveal himself through us to lots of new friends over this school year. So what's your response to that amazing gift of grace that Jesus showed you when he saved you from your sin? Is there a way you can show grace to others, specifically in this NTI assistance program? Maybe you can arrange your schedule to be one of our room leaders so you can take uh, so we can take uh, all of the kids that are on our list now. Or maybe you can be a greeter a couple mornings a week. Maybe you can come in on Wednesdays to help clean. <clears throat> maybe you can go out today and pick up some of those supplies that we need. And in doing all those things, you'll be showing God's love to the community by meeting an urgent need. But more importantly, you'll be communicating that Jesus has made all the difference in your life. So how has Jesus changed you? What difference has he made in your life? How are you sharing that with others right now? If you want to talk about being a room leader for us, please email me as soon as you can. If you want to get on a team to help in other ways, you can go to plumcreek.org connect and it's the very early part of that form. I'm so excited to be part of this church and to be making a difference in our community, and I hope you'll join us. Take care. I want to pause for a second and say thanks to Jared. He's the one who came up with this idea, and he's pulled a team together to make it happen. I also want to thank all of you who are working and serving in this program. Like I said, this is a great example of who we are as a church. We want to grow to become more and more like Jesus. We want to love people with no strings attached. And as we build relationships with others, it's only natural that we would share our lives and share what's most important to us. You know, when we really care about someone, we want good things for them. And when your life has been changed by Jesus, you know that a relationship with Jesus is the best thing that could ever happen to anyone. It's better than getting a great job. It's better than finding the love of your life. It's better than having the family you've always dreamed of. So when you're out there showing God's love to people with no strings attached, there will come a time when somebody asks you that question Jared mentioned earlier. They'll say, why are you doing this? This week, I heard someone give a great answer to that question. When someone asks you, why you do what you do. A good answer is to say, my life has been changed by Jesus and I just want to help other people find what I've found. So don't feel like you have to go out and try to be the Apostle Paul. 
Don't feel like you have to be anyone except the person God made you to be. Run the race that he's laid out specifically for you. In one way or another, God will use you to testify to the good news of his grace. That may be through small, quiet acts of faithfulness. But don't rule out the idea that God may have something big in mind for you. In the first week of this series, we looked at Acts chapter 1. And we saw that Jesus laid out a vision for his disciples. Jesus said, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and out to the ends of the earth. And do you remember how that vision looks in our context? We said, Jerusalem is like the community right around us. And Judea and Samaria would be like the surrounding region. And the ends of the earth would be the ends of the earth. And to get the full picture of this, we need to zoom out and see what God is doing all over the world. Earlier this year, there was a group here at Plum Creek who did exactly that. This group participated in a course called Perspectives. And these people will tell you that this course can change the trajectory of your whole life. So we're going to listen to a conversation right now with a group of people who have gotten a much bigger perspective on how we can be a part of God's work on a global scale. Let's watch this. From Hollywood to Kathmandu, from Wall Street to Morocco, you felt the call to serve the nations, yet have little idea how to live that out. You long to run with greater purpose, but wrestle with how to integrate church life with everyday life. How many never realize their fullness in the workplace? How many let the cry of the nations go unanswered? How many settle for less than their destiny? What is the world missing without you thriving in your purpose? The harvest is great, but workers are coming. It's time, time to be awakened, realigned, transformed, ruined for the ordinary and ignited to God's purpose. Perspectives is a dynamic weekly course that empowers God's people to strategically partner with Him in accomplishing His timeless missional purpose around the globe. For over 40 years, Perspectives has had a far-reaching effect on believers, mission agencies, and churches with over 250,000 alumni. Today, that passion continues in your generation. This is the hour for the body of Christ to step into a strategic partnership to see God's glory among all people. These divine moments, key men, women, and even entire generations have risked everything because they've caught a glimpse of God's promise fulfilled and have pressed forward to see it realized in their own day. Join us, not in making history, but fulfilling history. Visit perspectives.org to join a class near you. Good morning, Plum Creek. Uh, back in January of this year, we had about a dozen people uh, sign up for what is called the Perspectives course. Actually, uh, the name of it is Perspectives on the World Christian Movement. And uh, it's going to be offered once again in January of 2021. And so um, I've just asked a couple of those people from Plum Creek who took the course this year uh, to share with us their experience in hopes that they might encourage you to consider taking that as well. So we're going to start off with, first of all, um, with Dylan. And uh, Dylan, I'd just simply like to ask you uh, the question, how has the Perspectives course 
changed your perspective on how you view missions? Yeah, thanks, Tom. Um, I, I will say probably for me, the biggest thing uh, was it, it, the per perspectives course really just helped me understand that this has been uh, God's plan all along. Like he has always been concerned about all people. And I, I don't know why I've never thought of this before, but I always felt like it, it wasn't until Matthew 28 that, that finally God says, now go to the nations and, and tell them about me. Um, however, this course helped me discover that really God has always been about this ever since the foundations of the earth and since he's created them. You, it is rich throughout the Old Testament, throughout all the scriptures, how God's heart has always been for all people, that they would know him um, and that they would glorify him. And um, like I said, it shouldn't have surprised me because our God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But um, I, I think this really helps uh, change my perspective on mission and reaching people with the gospel message, uh, simply because um, knowing that that's the heartbeat of our God, uh, that's exactly where I want to align myself. And I want to join in that mission that God has been about um, way uh, before even Christ came, that God has always been thinking in this way. And so I get to join uh, people in, in doing that very thing. Dinah also was with us in that course. And so I would like to ask you that very same uh, question, Dinah, but how has the Perspectives course changed your perspective on how you view missions? First was the enormity of the, of the concern that we as Christians should have for the world. I was amazed, even with all the techno technological advances in the world today, that 42% of the world's population have never had an opportunity to even hear about Jesus, to be even given an opportunity for salvation. So taking this course made me realize I need to be more involved with helping 1.5 billion souls somehow hear about Jesus. This, this was really touched me. Secondly, as a Christian, we all are responsible for not choosing what we're going to obey and what we're not going to obey. But according to Matthew uh, 20, uh, 28, verses 16 through 20, we are mandated to go and to preach the gospel and to have people be baptized. So we do not necessarily need to be in a foreign mission field because that would be an impossibility for many of us. But there still are plenty of things that we can become active in being able to fulfill the Great Commission. Thirdly, the course helped me to understand that it's through the love that we share with others that we will win lost souls. Um, I gained an understanding so much of the cultural, social, and ethnic differences in, in lost people. And that if we try to convey to them about Jesus, a lot of times that actually causes them to become alienated. This course opened up to me how we can approach people that are lost so that they can truly be blessed. We can be a blessing to them. And lastly, I learned from so many different stories of people that had been in the mission field, what a worthy cause this was and that I just need, it, uh, the church, we just need to be more supportive of missionaries. Thank you both for sharing um, uh, that in, in words of encouragement. Uh, at Plum Creek right now, there's no sign up for this. Like I mentioned later on in the fall of this year, we will have a little more promotion on that, but we just wanted to plant a seed as Doug has been sharing with us from the book of Acts and some of our next steps and how we are involved with God's mission here on the earth. So again, uh, thank you both for um, being with us here today and uh, God bless all of you at Plum Creek. I am really excited that this course will be coming back in the near future. 
uh, whatever happens with the coronavirus, we will figure out a way to make this happen because this is so important. We have this amazing privilege to be a part of what God will accomplish in history. We are living through Acts 29, and each one of us has a verse to write. So, what's your verse? How will you live in a way that allows you to get to the finish line and say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith? Now, if you haven't begun this race yet, that's where you have to start. You can put your faith in Jesus, be baptized into Christ, and then just hit the ground running. And if you want to talk to somebody about making that decision, please reach out. And the easiest way to do that is to go to plumcreek.org connect. But if you are already running this race, take some time this week and get a vision for how God might use you. And then together, let's partner with him to build his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, it is so exciting to think about all the ways that you are working in the world today. Lord, it's exciting to think about your kingdom, how it's growing, and how people are coming to know you through Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for the privilege that we have, that we get to be a part of what you're doing. And Lord, I pray that we will be open to that and that we will follow where you lead. I pray that all of us at Plum Creek will move forward into the future and be the church you want us to be. I pray that for your church all over the world. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.